Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where each week we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and as always, my irascible and cantankerous old co-host John is here with me. This week, we take what I'm pretty sure is our third dive into the world of old TSR box sets, and if I were to describe our success in terms of spearfishing, we accidentally dove into a shit river, and we harpooned a poop in the river of shit that we were harpooning in. It's top secret. The game of... uh, spies? I I guess? System Master. got blueberry pancakes or a blueberry muffin that's awesome you've yeah, cooked a blueberry yeah. and you're not just handing me raw fucking garbage i always feel like eating a raw blueberry is the closest you can come without actually just eating someone's tumor off them like in terms of consistency like that's the mushy kind of interior and, and don't get me wrong i love raw blueberries I, I would don't get me wrong i love eating tumors yeah that's my thing i, I like to eat cancer off of people i'm like an x-files villain yeah totally <laughs> but uh but no, I mean, blueberries in particular have that kind of consistency that's just sort of weird and grainy and mushy. But then the flavor just hits me right where I need to, need to be yeah, hit. Yeah, see, it's but perfect. Once, once they're cooked, then then it's just this soft juice that Oh, it's just nothing. It's just a, it, the... Yeah, it's like a skin and then some blue area around where the skin was. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. made whatever you would put it in, blueberry flavored. Blueberries. They're so good. We, we are reviewing blueberries this week. Yeah, here on this, week, this week we've reviewed TSR Classic Blueberries. <laughs> Blueberries, as everyone knows, were invented by TSR back when they were trying to diversify their D&D license into things like Buck Rogers and uh, the Indiana Jones franchise and berries. They wanted to develop their very own berry. Yeah, they got they got into the berry business and... Uh, and business was blooming. Wait, no, that's terrible. <laughs> they made onions? Yeah, they made onions. All right, so this week, welcome to System Mastery. Hi there, I'm Jeff and John's here too. Yeah, unfortunately. I know, I know. We're here again. For yeah. the second time. Yeah, don't, you don't need to bring up what happened. I need to bring up and let everyone know what a big dumb idiot you are. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> that was uncalled for. All right, so this is our second attempt to review and record a review of the top secret RPG. We succeeded in reviewing it once, but then I deleted it. You were so excited about playing Marvel Heroes that you just straight shut it down, and it asked if you wanted to save it, and you just hit no, because fuck it, I gotta get in there and play some Diablo-style bullshit. It was in my way. <laughs> it bothered I could have just moved it to the other monitor screen, even. Oh, no. No, it needed to go. Anything that impeded your way. Although, to be to be honest, anything that I had been doing at the mo- at that moment would have resulted in me closing it. And uh, anything it could have been like you have to pay your taxes right now. I'd have been like, all right, fine, I'm going to close this and get rid of it because because <laughs> we had recorded a, a review of Top Secret and I didn't give a shit about it at all, at all, not even a small bit. All right, so why don't we talk a little bit about Top Secret? And uh, if you wouldn't mind, the uh, the books are right over there, and we're going to need them. Oh, good, because. Uh, because holy crap, is there nothing to be remembered about this game? Yeah, so the uh, the version we've got is the original 1980 box set. Mm-hmm. Uh, came with everything, even the uh, D10s that are just D20s with 1 to 0 twice. As we've mentioned previously on the show, that's because the D10 itself was invented in 1983, or probably before that, but really made available to the public in 1983, which means this game's about three years older than the D10. Yeah. Just like me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm old. You're so old. Jesus. You are as old and as terrible as Top Secret. Oh, that's, that's hurtful. <laughs> At least I'm terrible in a different way. 
I mean, you Top both secret. smell bad. That's not true. This, this book smells amazing. <laughs> uh, Top Secret, for example, never forgot to do anything. Whereas in, I, I forgot to save the podcast. Top Secret includes every single rule and never forgets another one. Oh, no, it did forget something, which was to put a game in there. Oh, that's the, okay. Fair enough. So let's get this out of the way. This is the most boring book we've ever read, right? We got it. Yeah, I mean, we've read, this book is, I mean, the rule book is about 60 pages. And we've read really short books before. Yeah, like Ghostbusters was all of 20 pages or something. Yeah, and we've read books that were fairly rules-intensive as well. Sure. But this is one of the only ones where it is wall-to-wall, just charts, and then the reference page for those charts. So... At the very beginning, it gives you the standard thing that every RPG has ever given you, which is that, what's an RPG? Well, I don't know. Let's, let's well, I mean, discuss it's 1980, it. so know, that's actually to. useful. Yeah, it's 35 years old, so that, so that bit of historical uh, interest is actually relevant. So it does explain an RPG, and then it says, but what's missing from the landscape is an RPG set in the modern era. Which, yeah. I, I'm like, is that true? Was that was that still true in 1980? Because, you know, it's like six years since D&D, so... Well, yeah, but I assume at that point it was all just D&D and Traveler, as far oh, as yeah. the eye could see. So it was sci-fi and fantasy, and then a bunch of D&D takeoffs, like mazes and monsters and tunnels and trolls. Yeah. Yeah. So so that maybe this was the first modern RPG. It certainly claims to be. Yeah. But uh, right after that, as soon as that's over with, as soon as it's done telling you what's an RPG... The very next thing it does is just dump into charts, and it doesn't stop with the charts ever again. Every time you turn a page, you think, oh, okay, here we go. Here comes the story of what this game is. Here comes some info about spies and how spies operate and what the world is like in this. No, charts. Yeah, give me a suggestion on, you know, if I'm playing this type of spy, they're going to be like this, and this is the bureau you're from. And it doesn't, it doesn't even give you a suggestion of, like, you should be... FBI, or you should be fucking the man from Uncle, or whatever the hell. It's just, hey, you're a spy anyway, here's charts. Well, that's because none of those things make sense. What you really are is just some random-ass murder hobos who get ported into the city, that crazy reigning city from Final Fantasy VI. Huh. That's what you play. You play as people who go to Zozo, and then you have to draw the map of Zozo, even though it's a fucking mo- modern city with good lighting and shit, so you can, you know, just see down the street to where the fucking leatherworking shop is. You don't need to know via torchlight and deciphering ancient runes. It's just in German. Huh. So, the Ooh. the book goes, has the two pages at the front with all that information of like, hey, an RPG, and you make-believe, and dice, man. We, we completely condone the occult. Here's yeah. how you summon a demon. Yeah, here's how you get magical powers. You are your character. If your character dies, so do you. This is really old. This is before Satanic Panic, so they were still being pretty fast and loose with that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, they were just really open about it. Yeah, they were then. just like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. This is a direct conduit to Satan. We might as well have given you his phone number. <laughs> uh, and then after that, we get into the character creation. And it dives right in, and it's a fairly simple system. Yeah. It is a percentile based, so you're going to roll your two d20s that came with it and get one as your 10s and one as your 1s place and figure out your stats. And you're going to have a uh, stat between 26 and 100 because it also has a system that's interesting where you get a bonus based on what you roll in certain chunks. So basically, the lower you roll, the more of a bonus you get to your roll. And that it's not like you get to pick and choose when the bonuses apply, it's just universal. And it's designed to uh, simulate an average, but what it actually simulates is kind of a, a weird sawtooth pa- pattern, where it's possible to roll a couple of uh, numbers twice. Like, you could, there's two ways to get a 40. Yeah, so 
Uh, if you get like one through twenty four, then you get a plus twenty five percent. That's correct. So if you roll a twenty five, you get a fifty. If you roll a twenty six, you get a forty one. Because at twenty six, the break point occurs, and instead of adding twenty five to your roll, you add fifteen. So it, it's a little weird in that that uh, it, 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 you, there are break points where it's better to roll lower, but they're not common. Like if you roll a ninety seven, for example, you did great. You, yeah. you you don't even add anything to that. You have a ninety seven. You're doing awesome. Yeah, in the the top ten percent, if you roll a ninety one through a hundred, you just got what you rolled. Because who gives a shit? Actually, it's it, it. Yeah, exactly. Now there are six stats, and those are physical strength, charm, uh, willpower, courage, knowledge, and coordination. And uh, once you roll those and, and determine what they are, they are rarely going to come up all that much anymore. Because there's derived stats from them that handle everything. Oh, yeah, and there are a ton of derived stats. You have secondary stats, which are all derived. There's six have, of those. Then you have tertiary stats, which are also derived. Right, there's three of those. Most of these are derived via averages. So, for example, your uh, deception is a derived secondary stat, and it is your courage plus your charm divided by two. Yeah, so you get the average of two things, and that's what your... Random secondary stats are. Most of them. There are a few that are not. Uh, your movement value, for example, which is just the speed in this game, but with yeah. a fancy name, is your physical strength plus your willpower plus your coordination. We And your life level is your, your HP. Yeah, your HP. It's physical strength plus willpower divided by 10. Yeah. So Great. that's fun. One of the things that drives me nuts in this game is a lot of the damage that's inflicted in it is percentage-based stat damage. Oh, yeah. There's a section where they have to uh, point out that... If you take percentage damage, it is a percent of your total number, not taken directly off the percent that you rolled. It's infuriating. So, like, for example, if you have a 63% in, like, uh, physical strength, and then you take 20% strength damage, you don't... Now, if you 43% physical strength, you figure out what 20% of 63 is, subtract that from 63, and that's your current value. So, it's... 63 minus 16, whatever that is, uh, 47? Yeah, why not? Yeah, so uh, that's, instead of being 43, it's 47. Yeah, so it, which I, I mean, I understand, because there would definitely be points where they didn't want it to just be a flat value, because then you can have things like, this is minus 25% to a stat, and it didn't just drop you down to nothing. Right. So you could, like, do minus 50% to a stat, whatever. It's not It's not like it's terrible. The real problem is that it's mathy. I don't want to figure out what 74% of 74 is. Well, yeah, but the problem is, that's what this entire book is. It's what a lot of old RPGs oh, know, are. It's just math. It hits early, and it, it, as soon as you read that section, you're like, oh, no, is that what I'm in for for the rest of this book? And it turns out that, it, among other things, yes, that's what you're in for for the rest of this book. Oh, yeah. Okay, so right after you finish all these these uh, stats, and there are nine of those, then you get to go figure out what your uh, skills are. And this game has 37 skills. They're called Areas of Knowledge. Yeah. And you roll, and then your intelligence affects the number that you roll. Like, you roll and consult a chart. It's a There are a lot of big square charts in this book. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of... Grids. Grids that you have to cross-reference to then descriptions of what's in those grids. Right, and and so basically rolling a percentile and then checking your intelligence as a modifier to it will tell you how many of the 37 areas of knowledge are superior. Yeah, so you get a good bonus to those. Right, and then the other areas of knowledge, all 37 of them, like minus however many you have from your intelligence modifier, are you still have those skills but you have them at half the percentage value of the ones that are your superior knowledge areas. It is possible, through all the bonuses, to get up over 100% at skills, and it also recommends, it tells you that's essential. It's, it's similar to Stormbringer, which 
is better than this. Oh my god. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so the the system has you roll on these 37 skills, and you don't get to pick because goodness knows yeah. we are all about random rolls in this game <laughs> so and you, charts. You have no idea what your character's going to be good at. Oh, so yeah. it has things like engineering or metallurgy and so on. Maybe that's what you're really good at. That's, like, that's who you are. I'm all about fucking paleontology. Okay, great. Which is not a terrible thing. I mean... I know that this is supposed to be a spy game, but it's close enough that you could probably play an Indiana Jones type and not feel too bad. Yeah, I mean, maybe, if there was any way to actually specify what type of character you wanted to well, play. Well, I know. This is definitely one of those games from back in the olden days where you didn't get to know what your character was until the dice told you. Oh, yeah. It, it's not, I'm going to sit down at a table and go, you know, I want to make a spy that's more born identity and is all about, like, beating people's ass in kung fu battles and... Runs around and disappears into crowds and shit. No, you can't do that because you have no idea. Your physical strength might be garbage. You might just be terrible at everything. Yeah, I used to play in a D&D campaign with a guy who insisted on 3d6 down the line type rolling. Yeah. And uh, I was one of the later joiners. I was the sixth member of the party. And, you know, everyone was happy to have me there. It was an exciting thing for me to come aboard. But I never once rolled the stats required to be something that wasn't already in the game. So every time I'd roll, they'd be like, oh man, we really need a druid or whatever in the second edition D&D party. And I'd be like, well, let's see if I get the 9 charisma and 13 wisdom or whatever the fuck. Nope, never. It was always like, I'm also a wizard. I'm wizard too. I'm the second thief in this party. Yeah. The, uh, so it's, it's an old game, so I can at least forgive them not realizing that that's the dumbest thing you could do. Uh, but, uh, the... So the skills you get are random, and then you get the rest of the skills at half, half percentage, yeah, so and then you, you figure out what bureau you're from. Okay, so bureaus are the class of this game. There are three. There's confiscation, which is stealing stuff, investigation, which is uh, learning, Investigate inve- stuff. learning stuff, and assassination, assassination which is uh, killing stuff. Yep. And... Before you think, oh wow, so you're gonna get a bunch of different like abilities and whatnot. Ooh, a plus based on... one to killing stuff. Yeah. Oh, you've got an investigation thing. That must mean you've got a bonus to finding secret doors and telling if a tunnel is sloped and appraising gems because <laughs> <laughs> all the dwarves are there. Investigators are dwarves. The end. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> oh yay! I've made modern fantasy. Yay! All right. No, actually, what you get. This is the full. <laughs> what you get is nothing. nothing. <laughs> Instead of getting something, you get nothing. Here's what here's what the three bureaus add up to. There are tables for the amount of XP it takes to level up on each one, and included in those tables are those uh, names by level that you remember from first edition D and D. Oh yeah, it's like you start out as an assassin and you're just a thug. Yeah, and then you go up to a raider, and then you're a you're a ruffian, and then after that you're a you're a murderous bastard, and then <laughs> then you're Joe Cool. Yeah, so you've got a bunch of different names for the same thing. Yeah. And it means nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's, there's nothing behind that. It's just some fun names you get to call yourself. Which is weird, because you're like, you start the game as a secret agent of an actual, probably international, maybe just national uh, intelligence agency, mm-hmm. and you, your title is thug? Oh yeah, all of them. You're a thug or a cut purse or, a, or like a ruffian or something. Whatever they call the investigator, I think it's just a snoop. 
Yeah, so, so it's just you're you're nothing. You're like a, a nosy next door neighbor, and they're like, yeah, "We've sent a busybody and a thug out to do some job," and you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, it, the, those charts tell you how much uh, XP it costs for each one of those three bureau types to level up. Now, assassins take four times as much XP to get to level two as investigators, and five times as much XP to get to level two as uh, what's the other one? Uh, the, confiscators. Yeah, confiscators. Con- so there you go. It, now, you'd think, wow, that must mean assassins are super powerful because they cost so much more XP. They must be like the wizards of this game. And instead of uh, any type of difference between them, there is nothing. <laughs> There's just an XP difference. And then the only thing that matters, the only time that the bureaus are mentioned ever again, is to tell you extra XP that they get for completing certain types of jobs. Yeah. Did you complete a kill? Then the assassin gets like 50 extra XP. Yeah, so it'll it'll have this table of, this is the XP you get for doing certain things. So it's like... I investigated some guy. I found out his true name or whatever. And now I can summon him. (laughs) Now I control his mind. Or, you know, I stole a piece of art. Or I stole a baby from a stupid daikini when he was taking a (laughs) wee-wee. Beer! (laughs) Yeah, I remember the line from it, too. Yay! (laughs) Uh, You know, so it gives you all of these things. And it says, like, alright, this is worth 150 XP. Or this is worth 200 XP. Or whatever. And then there are certain ones like those that they'll say, like, this is worth 100 XP because you killed a target. And if you're in the Assassination Bureau, it's 150. Hooray! There there are maybe six of those. Oh, yeah, and they're all just, you stole a thing, you investigated a thing, or you murdered a thing. Yeah, out of about 30 missions, there are maybe one-fifth of them that give bonus XP based on your Bureau, and that's it. We are done with Bureaus. Yep. They will never be important again. They aren't mentioned again. And they don't make any sense because you don't get to choose your skills or anything. Oh, no. It's it's just, hey, you, you're you in a bureau. Congratulations. Yeah. And I, then because we are on the roll random train, you also roll randomly for everything else about your character, including believe, whether they wear glasses. Oh, gosh, yeah. There's a 30% chance of wearing glasses. And inside of that 30% chance, there's a second 30% chance of you cannot wear contacts. Yeah, you've got some sort of stigmatism and you can't wear contacts. You have to wear your glasses. Yeah. My glasses. Oh, no. I can't see a thing without my glasses. <laughs> we now, sent Velma in order to <laughs> do something. She's a level 5 snoop. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> okay, so, uh, in addition, everything about your character you have to roll. Do you have some sort of debilitating disease? Is one of your hands stronger than the other one? Now, left and right-handedness, however, is not a 90% chance of right-handed. Yeah, I you, love that it's the only thing that you don't roll randomly for. Yeah, for uh, which hand you use, which, again, who gives a shit, uh, you do, you use whatever the player is. Yep. There yeah. you go. I would be playing left-handed characters constantly. What a fun life for me. Yay. And it makes such a difference. It did when I was 12 and I gave a shit about handedness, and I was like, I'm quite rare because I'm left-handed. Oh, you're sinister. Yeah, I'm sinister, and a different part of my brain activates, and then eventually I became an adult, and I realized that we all die just the same. (laughs) And then I realized that all is dust. Soon we will all be dust. I should not be smug for being left-handed, of all things. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so, so yeah, that's, that's it. That's your character. Then you get to choose martial arts, and oh boy, do you want to talk about the combat system so much? Oh my god, okay, so the combat system in this... should we talk about ranged or melee first? Okay, we'll we'll do ranged first, because ranged is slightly less insane? Sure. Okay, so the combat system in this that you get into, when you get to the ranged combat, it's not the worst 
combat system. I mean, it's fairly simple as far as what you're trying to do. It's a roll-under percentile system. Uh, the only issue, really, is that any gun you have has, like, 15 stats, mm-hmm. and they're all uh, abbreviated with just, like, it has M and its P oh, value and the MRC value and uh, the FRQ. I'm all set to hit you with one right now. Oh, great. All right, this is the stats for quick reference code A, which is a 22 ballpoint pen with one shot. Oh, boy. It does say that it's it's weapon A instead of just saying it's weapon ballpoint pen, so that later, when they are providing thugs with weapons, they can just put an A there and leave you going, what the fuck is an A? Oh, yeah. All right. So, what is this, fucking uh, tome or angband or some shit where I got to know that an A is like a B? Yeah, that O is an orc, unless it's a different O. And it's then a it's capital O. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay, no, okay, alright, so here's the stats for a 22 ballpoint pen. It has a PWV of 14, a PB of 0, an S of minus 50, an M of X, an L of X, a WS of A, a rate of 1, ammo of 1, a cost of 140, sure, a DECP of 0, an A of 1, a C of 6, an F of 1, a P of 3, an R of 1, and an HWV of 2. Oh, good. Now, that makes perfect sense. Oh, it does. And the book does explain what all that shit is. I mean, oh, well, D- I mean, of course it does. Just as a brief example, a DECP is a deception value. It's your ability to, to conceal that weapon. So, hey, that makes sense. A ballpoint pen is a zero because it's a fucking pen. Sure. All right. Now, uh, here's the problem. Every time they pre- present these guns in the game or new weapons in the game, which they do a lot, almost everyone's got some custom fucking weapon in the module. We're going to talk about the module, by the way. Uh, what do we call it? Sprechenholterstell. Oh, Sprechenholterstell. Oh. Okay, so every one of these weapons is listed like this. C6, some fucking guy, has a weapon. And it is 14-0 minus 50 XXA11140161312. Yay. Good. I'm glad that you are rattling off numbers and not telling me anything. You couldn't just say, this guy has a rifle. No, of course not. You had to give me a giant string of numbers that... Maybe if I had been playing this game for years, I'd go, oh, I know what all of that is. Yeah, this game really insists on you memorizing a lot of shit, or just sitting there with this book open and going, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, wait, hang on. Okay, now before we, we talk, it makes sense, roll under to hit a guy with a gun. Oh, I may, fine, no problem. No, there's hit location charts that you have to roll on. Even though you're a fucking master sharpshooter assassin, you still may accidentally shoot the guy in the foot because, hey, there's a 13% chance of that. Oh, yeah. Everything is random, and uh, just like a lot of other things with hit location tables, if the guy is standing behind a wall and all you can see is his head, and you didn't randomly roll head, you hit the wall. Get wrecked. Just like Haven. Oh, yeah. City of Violence. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, so that's the weapon, ch- the weapon chart for shooting at each other. Now, there are a ton of weapons, and then there are rules for constructing additional weapons. Uh, mostly it just affects cost. But just because it's a spy game, it's possible to build a weapon that shoots backwards. Oh, yeah. You have things like, this is your barrel length, and the longer your barrel length, the more accurate you are. But the more accurate you are, the harder it is to conceal it because your barrel's longer. It's also got rules for a difference between boomerangs that come back and boomerangs that do not. (laughs) So it has a difference between boomerangs and sticks you throw? (laughs) Well, I mean, traditionally, hunting boomerangs don't actually come back to you. So it makes sense that they would do a little more damage or whatever, but who cares? What are you, like, are you visiting whatever, I forget where they are from, and then using them from there? See, the the problem I have with that Australia? is you go, all right, well, obviously, if it got a boomerang, I want it to come back to me. 
And then you could just say, like, all right, here's boomerangs that are trick boomerangs and hunting boomerangs. Yeah. But, but instead they call them boomerang returning and boomerang non-returning. But that's the sort of attention to detail that we've discussed in this game before. Like, for example, when you look at the languages. Oh, the languages. Because it's you're got... going gonna to know between, like, one and seven languages, depending on your intelligence. And, and then it gives you a big list to choose from, including a lot that will never come up in a spy game. Like, a bunch of old Native American languages that no one speaks anymore. Uh, ancient Greek, in case you wanted that. Or my favorite, the ones spoken by African tribes along the Nile which includes Hottentot, Nubian, and Bushman. <laughs> of the uh, three, only one is a language group, and it's still not a language. Bushman is just a description of people. That's just mean. Hottentot is what Dutch settlers called the locals when they were making fun of their language. Yep. it's You speak racism. That's yeah, what you speak. you speak. The actual people were called the Koe Koe. They were not called Hottentots. <laughs> Hottentot is a derogatory and offensive term, not a language. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was 1980, these things still flew. I mean, when did apartheid die? But, okay, whatever. And then Nubian is language group. Yeah. There's like 12 languages that are considered Nubian. None of them are called Nubian. Hooray! So, get fucked. Well, yep, there all you right. go. tot. God damn it. <laughs> all right. The, back to the uh, back to the fun. Okay, so melee in, combat. Yeah, so in your combat, you've got all of these steps in ranged combat where it's like, all right, what's your surprise value? Your surprise value is your initiative, and you figure out your surprise value, and you're gonna go ahead and see who goes first, and you're gonna shoot at a guy, and that guy's either gonna try and dodge, mm-hmm. or he's gonna try and shoot you. Yes, and that's you do like six rounds of this back and forth, and it goes. Fairly quickly, because, again, if you're just dodging or moving, then there's, of course, a chart for this is the penalty to if you're moving, and if he's moving, and, and it, are you... And here's how much stuff you can do while moving in one fi- in one turn. It uses oh, yeah. one-fifth of a phase to take several steps, an additional fifth of a phase to turn your rifle towards the enemy while running. Oh, yeah, so it's got a bunch of dumb charts and rules, again, because and, and that's what this game is. Uh, unnecessarily granular time movements. It's separated into phases, rounds, turns combats, steps, yeah, phase so portions. You, you're going to have that, and you're going to have your bonuses and your penalties, and you're going to figure out, did I shoot a guy after you roll? And that's about it. You'll roll for your hit location unless you wanted to take the massive penalty to make a called shot. Yeah, which, I don't know why, you, unless you're an amazing shooter, which, you know, I guess you're... Well, I mean, if the guy's sitting there and you literally can only see his head, you may as well try and just shoot his head, because anything else you roll is going to be garbage. Yeah. There's an example of shooting play I wanted to talk about briefly, just because it's a man walks out of a bar, and his name is Ice Miller. And by the way, everyone in the game has a name like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if they're Russian, then they have a dumbass joke name, like Ivan I. Kachtikov. Ah. And if they're English or or, or American, they have a name like Ice Miller or Johnny Murder. Oh, Ice Miller. I can't wait until that beer comes out. Yeah, it's the beer that changes color when it's ready. Yeah. I'll, I'll have an Ice Miller. So... Ice Miller comes out of a bar, and a sniper tries to hit him with an 86% chance of hitting and misses, and then Ice turns around and shoots the sniper with a 4% chance of hitting and hits. Yay! What a great story! Thanks for letting us know that dumb things are dumb. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, moving right along. Let's talk about melee combat, because I want to. Yeah, okay, fine. So you're going to have a lot of different things. Now, before we had talked about the guns, and the guns have all their various stats... And that was kind of annoying. However, when you get to melee combat, you're going to have a ton of different types of melee combat. So you might have very basic uh, melee. So you're just 
a regular guy swinging and throwing a punch. These are divided up into non-trained striking, non-trained holds, wrestling holds, wrestling hold downs, boxing or sword play, which hilarious that those are the same thing, judo throws, judo holds and locks, martial arts striking injuries, martial arts striking combat, and I think that's it. Now, I want you to know that each one of those things that Jeff just mentioned has a full-page chart with a cross-reference grid in the chart for... The uh, left side is the attack you do, and along the top, it is the defense you can do in any of those fighting styles. So, for example, the martial arts striking combat table, the top line of the chart goes same side parrying, opposite side parrying, same side blocking, because it's the defensive maneuver portion of the chart. And you compare that against the injury-producing body part, which goes hand, elbow, knee, foot, yeah, and, and on down the line. This is the where you are striking with your martial arts in the martial arts striking combat table. So, I'm trying to strike your elbow. Alright, so I'm going to try and strike your elbow. You're going to say, I also have martial you're arts... You're striking with your elbow. Uh, yeah, see? Yeah. Strike with your elbow, and, you, and you're attacking someone else, and they go, well, I don't know what you're going to do. Because guess what, folks? This is one of those games where you write down a maneuver on a piece of paper, and then you flip it over at the dramatic reveal moment. Except... The defender gets to write down two blocks and flip them both over and then take the good one. So that's the big twist. But you go, all right, elbow, and what are you using to defend? I'm ducking. Okay, what does that do? Uh, B, C type damage. Oh, good. B, C. Now let's go to our big wheel of damage. Yeah. You literally go and find yet another chart somewhere in here, and I am not going to, and compare that and see, see if you do any damage versus, like, their armor and what have you. It is immensely complicated. Yeah, so the the whole thing has just cross-referenced. I do A plus 1 comma C, or I do O damage, or Z damage, or you get in a Q lock, and you're like, I don't know what the fuck you were talking about. And then you have to go to your giant shard of crap. It reminds me of the treasure types in old D&D. Oh yeah, 100%. It's like, I did an arm lock, and they defended with a... Low sweep, and I got treasure type Q. Oh, two pieces of fine art valued at one to 500 gold pieces? Neat. I don't know, I'm making this shit up. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving along. Uh, so yeah, that is, and if you're defending against multiple people as the defender, you still only pick two, but then you have to pick which one you like best against everyone's attack. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting set of overly complicated rules. It would work really interestingly if it was the whole game. If it was just, let's play fight. And all we do is compare fight cards against each other and flip them. Oh, yeah, like... If it was we a had, prepackaged game... Yeah, we had sort of this mechanic with the old Street Fighter game. Yeah. Where everyone had to reveal, like, what they were doing in the order of whatever, and you flipped your stuff over after you said so. And that's a neat idea, but this game already takes forever for combat to do anything. Yeah. Considering every round is divided into so many different little sub-steps... Yeah. ...that trying to do... Anything takes forever. And then the damage chart, unless you manage to go like, I do a ridiculously like awesome damaging move, and his defense did nothing. Like, I decided I was going to kick him in the face, and he decided he was going to block his shins as his defense. So I kicked him in the face for full damage. Unless you get awesome stuff, you're doing like two points of damage. Yeah. You did Three points of damage. Of course, an average person has like 11 to 14 hit points. So eventually, and, and this is an interesting thing about the book, it's deeply uh, murdery. 
Like, it doesn't say you ever capture the spies. It's always like, as soon as they're unconscious, they're quite easy to kill. Oh yeah, because this is, once again, TSR going directly from D&D. is like, alright, everyone's a murder hobo. We can all assume that. Now let's just say you're also spies. Alright, so once we get done with combat and skills, the rest of the book, and there's a lot more of the book, is just a bunch of esoteric one-off rules for minor events. Oh yeah, so there's a whole page chart. A whole page of chart that just tells you the effects of different types of assassinations that can be used against your character. So things like, how much damage do you take when you're being killed by a pendulum? Oh, good. How <laughs> how long does it take to be executed via air injected into your veins? Yep. So there's a bunch of weird crap in here that I... <sighs> what are the odds of a shark attack if your boat sinks? The problem I have with the boat sinking one is also the your chance of drowning. Oh, and yeah, it has nothing swim to do with skill. swimming. Yeah, has nothing to do with your swim skill. It just says you drown in four hours. Great, thanks. Well, what about my swim skill? Does that... Nope, nothing. What about the shark attack? But You automatically are attacked by sharks 50% of the time if your boat sinks. Yeah, just like in real life, 50% of the time you are attacked by sharks. Yeah, and there's no provision for if you're in salt water or not. You're attacked by those vicious freshwater sharks. I had a boat on a lake, yeah. and then the boat sank, and sharks. I mean, what? they could have just been like, okay, there's a special exemption for maybe if like the Lake Placid crocodile gets you. <laughs> it always gets you. <laughs> it has a path. <laughs> Okay, so the the book has a bunch of those, and I I can't be too angry at it for that, because you are in a spy game, and so at least it sort of gives a nod towards spies. Like, the whole uh, weird ways to be executed, or the fact that sharks are going to attack you if your boat sinks, or anything like that. I go, alright, that's sort of thematic. If I'm watching a James Bond movie and his ship sinks... There's probably a 50-50 chance that a shark attacks him. Why not? Yeah, well, honestly, there should be a 100% chance if that's a part of your story. Just a shark attack happens because there's a fight to do. But this is a very random encounter oh, yeah, game. But the game is based on random encounter charts. Yeah. And that's... I mean, it's not fine, but I understand. All right, so this goes on like this for <laughs> I'm quite... I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I, yeah, it, you know, it's it's like looking at history. It's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like getting mad at the Germans now, you know? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's like when you're talking with your grandma and she oh, just yeah. gets real racist and you're like, oh, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, okay, so that goes on for pages and pages. And I would love to tell you every little thing in here, but it's ultra boring. Uh, one of my other favorite parts to talk about here is uh, the, the glossary, which is a six-page dictionary of spy terms, many of which are pointless. Hooray! So, and it's done in very tiny uh, font, and it's just a million words. Like, the AEC stands for the Atomic Energy Commission. You're going to need to memorize that. Oh, good. My favorite is Pancration is in there. Pancration is a <laughs> uh, an ancient Greek martial art form that was part of the early Olympics. Oh, can I, can I learn Pancration? Oh, no, it's fallen out of favor dramatically. No one uses it. It's a historical footnote. I don't even know if anyone actually knows it anymore. Sweet. So it's in there, though, in case you wanted to fight, like, ancient Greeks in your game. Which, I mean... Also, it claims that it's the first martial art. I like that. It says, this is probably the first martial art, because we've never heard of China. <laughs> yep. What are those, clay goblins? We don't know. It's little who, yellow, little who yellow knows? man. No one has ever been there. <laughs> Nixon hasn't opened it up yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually is not true, but whatever. Moving on. It's it's just that way all the way through. Now, John's pulling out Sprechen hard to stell. Now, the, uh, the module that comes with it, is Operation Sprechenhalterstell, uh, codename Pisces, which 
means nothing. Now, I didn't read this first. I was I read the rule book first, and then the whole time I was looking at this this uh, pamphlet that is the the uh, module, and I was thinking, oh, that's where the story is. That's oh, yeah. Gonna, that's no, going to tell me the details. I had the same reaction. I went through the main book, and I'm like, man, there is there is nothing in here. It is wall to wall charts. I cannot wait to get into this module where they start talking about like, okay, you're a super spy, and you're in this town, and a town has like. Dr. Evil Man, and he has a plan with some sort of spy network of lasers, and you're like, yeah. great, awesome. The theme of this game is that it's sort of a 1960s swinging parody spy thing. It's like, get smart. Like, what? No, none of that. You don't get... So what you get instead... <laughs> is, is nothing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I can't stress enough that this game... There's no hooks. It's impossible to get your mitts around this game, because there's nothing to memorize but millions and millions of tiny... Numbery, lettery rules. That's all it is. It's like if someone tried to hand you 50 balls. Yeah, I cannot hold all of these rules in my mind. I can't hold all these balls. No. There are too many balls. No, it's impossible. There, no, there's... I can hold like, like two. Two. I can hold like two, two balls. Two feels like a comfortable amount of balls that you can hold at once. Oh yeah, like, yeah. that's, that's just natural. You got room to swirl them around a little at that point. You can, you can get them into your, into your, uh, I guess into your head and just kind of go, yeah, I got these balls. I understand what I'm doing with them. This, yeah, this is comfortable to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Two is a good good number. Fifty balls is just too hairy. It's just too many. They're just yeah. coming at you from all sides. There's no way you can get a hold of all of them. Someone's gonna be disappointed. Yeah, no, no. Someone's balls are not gonna be kept in the air the way that they should be. You're gonna let someone's balls down. <laughs> <laughs> Testicles, <laughs> scrub. Okay. Uh, so this. Uh, so module. So instead of getting any balls or whatever in the module, you get nothing. It's just a D&D module minus the story. Oh yeah, you don't even get anything. It's just, hey, you're gonna go to Spreckenhalterstel. Oh, what's there? A town. They speak English, German, French, and Russian there. Really? really? All of that? What, what, where, where is Everyone does? Oh, yeah, it's in franco German Russia. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point... I can understand the German. If you're on the border of the wall, I guess you'd be Russian also, maybe? Eh, not really. I mean, eh. the, the wall borders one portion of Germany and another portion of Germany, so... Well, yeah, but I mean, one's <laughs> under Russian control, so you... Yeah, okay, fair enough. So I guess maybe where the French are also... Yeah, all right, fine, whatever. You can, They can have it. Meh. So when you get to town, it does tell you that you have to do three things as the players, because there are two books that come for Sprechenhalterstel. Sprechenhalterstel. Oh, Sprechenhalterstel. All right. Uh, the two, three things you have to do as players are, uh, here we go, uh, find those responsible for the capturing and auctioning of defectors who have already earned their freedom from the East. All right. Second mission is to locate and disrupt Paradise Control, rescue Ikachtikov, you oh. thought I was kidding, didn't you, and get out of town alive. Third mission is locate Amontillado Alley, rescue Petrovic, if he's alive, Destroy any tapes he has made, if he can still talk. If not, take the tapes with you. And discover how captured defectors vanish without a trace. That's it. Yeah. Now, it's it's worth noting that it tells you that, and there's nothing else. Like, it doesn't say, there's a reason you're trying to get I catch to cough, or what tapes this guy made, or whatever. It's just sort of like, hey man, you're looking for these guys. Okay. What? Yeah. Why? Uh, cause I said so. And, and just get, get in, just get into town and do spy stuff. There's no intel that you get going in. <laughs> and by you, spy stuff, I mean murder everyone. Yeah, just murder people and interrogate random passerbys and citizens because they are literally random passerbys and citizens. Oh yeah. So then you get. 
We're going to talk about the legends of town. Oh my god. Okay, so the actual best thing in this module is, before you start, you get, there's a bunch of random crap you can roll, but one of them is what your agent has heard before you get into town. So it's, I've heard a rumor, or I've got some intel from someone on the inside, or whatever it happens to be. You know something. So you roll randomly, and some of them are marked with an F, and that means it's false. You have false info. The rest of them are true. So you might get something like, the money from the burned down bank is buried in the ground beneath where the bank stood. That's false. There is no money there. But you have that as a thing you might think exists. Also, what the fuck is that information for your characters anyway? None of them are there to get money. You're supposed to go find a Kachnikov and figure out how defectors are going through. If they're like, there's a burned down bank and there's money under it, your character's going to be like, murder hobo time! Let's go dig the ground up where the bank was! Oh yeah, just like all of those great spies who just sit there digging up cash and trying to find, I don't know, kobolds? Yeah, remember that great time in James Bond where he was just like, wait, you said that there's some money somewhere? Well, I... Fuck this mission. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then you might get something that's a true thing, like, never turn the candle on your cafe table counterclockwise. Apparently, this makes people very cross. Uh, Yeah, although it doesn't come up in the the thing. Yeah. Okay, so then there's one that tells you, if you roll a 12, you have heard, a wizard in the basement of a bar knows you're here and who you are. This is not false. There is a wizard in a bar somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> a wizard in the basement of a bar knows who you are and why you're here. Okay, first of all, why you're here what? Like, like just in life? Like, is he just, is he yeah. just, yeah. He, he just knows, knows why you are here, what your purpose in life is. Have some kids, guys. Come on. That's, that's the point. Spread your genetic legacy. Oh, my God. And one of the other ones, also not false, is if you try to buy a magic carpet, be ready to fly on it. Great. Well, Thank you, book. I guess that's telling you that the only type of magic carpets available for sale in town are flying ones. Like, if you're like, I want a magic carpet that never gets dirty. Ah, uh, fuck you, it's a flying carpet. Ha ha. Yeah, if you get a magic carpet, you would better be ready to go into a whole new world. <laughs> Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, in my book, because we're just holding a book right now, I have the two-page character setup book, and it has a rolling list of potential characters you could play as. Now, hopefully, you roll a character on your random uh, stats and skills that makes sense for this shit. It's a D10 roll for each of three types of bureaus. John, why don't you give me a random number between 1 and 10? You don't need to die. Just give me a random number. Let's give you the number 6. Great. You are going to be Ratchet, Safe Cracker, and Security Breaker. Oh, yeah, I'm so Ratchet. Or, or if you had been an assassin, you could be Brandon. World famous bodyguard. (laughs) Oh, Brandon. You came (laughs) Brandon. 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 Brandon's not the name of a world-famous bodyguard. Brandon's the varsity football player. I was going to say, Brandon is the guy that does my hair. <laughs> We've got two different Brandons in our <laughs> hair. I think you've got a Brendan. Maybe. Yeah. But also, you could have been Shark, Dr. Firestone, Omega, Sven, Suji, K-101, the marksman extraordinaire, or my personal favorite, Charles Wafflehanger, nobody, two-bit thief. Oh, good. I randomly rolled... A bullshit no one named Charles Wafflehanger. Wafflehanger. And, and, and he, gets, he gets dropped off outside of town by a helicopter or out of a submarine or something. And he's like, get in there, Charles Wafflehanger, you nobody. Solve the mystery of I catch to cough. What is he, like old Gil from The Simpsons? Oh, you can do this, Wafflehanger. Oh, this is going to be Wafflehanger's day. I love Waffle Hangers Day. That's my favorite German holiday. 
Welcome to Waffle Hangers Day, where everyone gets a hanger and puts a waffle up. I don't know, maybe you light a candle. Whatever, you're German. Or else a coal black man will come in the night and take your teeth. <laughs> okay, the book is also full of 100% of this, like... Europe is a crazy place to be. Oh, yeah. Remember what I was saying earlier that basically you go to Zozo from Final Fantasy VI? Or, what was your example last time we recorded that was so good? Uh, it's, uh, shit. Well, I've got another one. It's the crazy town from the middle of, uh, uh, uh god damn it. What's the name of that movie with the, uh, with the Jimkata? It's the crazy city from the middle of Jimkata where every single person there is a fucking murderer. Or, I like to think of it as the city from, or the entirety of Europe in Taken. Yeah, no, it is, it is 100% a dad porn film where anyone you meet is obviously an assassin or a pickpocket. Or a communist. Yeah, there's everyone. Everyone that is listed in this. And there are a shitload of people listed in this module. And nothing else. It just gives them a number. It's just, there's a man walking down the street, C9. He has no name. You have to come up with his name. Yeah, and then it's got a couple of stats listed after him. So there'll be things like, uh, there are two people that live inside of the leather working facility. They are K143 and K144. Yeah, K144 is open parentheses L colon slash L colon slash slash. Oh, Close good. parentheses. What does that mean? I don't know. You look up a chart for what K143 is, and it just has his stats. No name, nothing. Just you, now you know what his physical strength is. He's a fucking leather worker. Yeah, I don't care what his intelligence is. And now <laughs> we get to know he has four knives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has four knives. Again, because this is a murder hobo game and not a spy game, so you need to go into the leatherworking shop and take their four knives. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, man, what loot does the leather worker have on him? Oh, I guess he has four knives. And $13 in loose bills in his ca- in his cash drawer. Hooray! Also, he leaves at night and leaves Sprechenhalterstel. Oh, Sprechenhalterstel. To uh, go to some other city and then comes back. So that's the right time to loot the leather worker. Yeah, and everything. Everything in here is just assuming you're going to murder everyone. It doesn't matter. Like, it'll tell you, yeah, there's some affable banker. And he'll totally fight you to the death. Also, every clue is a red herring. Every single one of them. Because there's no cohesive story. So when you, for example, encounter the flower girl, C-121... Uh, that's all you get about her, uh, except uh, she has a flower cart she's pushing around, and inside of the flower cart, if you bust it open and loot it, you will find two folded pieces of paper. She does not know that they are there, and they say, the fish has been sold, but it is acting like clams. Oh, good. The fish that was sold was a red herring. Right. There's nothing else ever about what those notes are. They're just some bullshit notes in a bullshit place. Yep, because, and it has nothing to do with anything. Because this is D&D. The whole city is drowned out as a series of 10 by 10 foot grid squares with with buildings in them, and then it describes whether or not they have basements and secret oh doors. Okay, so this game also has the old TSR thing of the mapper and the shot caller. Oh yeah. Which is actually one of my favorite things that exists, in that it assumed that you were going to have like this circled cabal of players and the DM sitting separate from them, and one person was going to speak for the whole group, and he'd be like, All right, gentlemen, I need to know your marching order. And then they'd just sit there and whisper quietly, and then one person would turn and go, Okay. And then he would tell you what your marching order was. He'd probably say something like, Uh, making out? And then the other guy would say, Let's show say me- making out! Show me it on the big board! <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so yeah, that's that's the old school, and then you need two players drawing the map that the DM already drew. The administrator, excuse me. Oh yes, you're the administrator, not the DM. Yeah. So for example, the the administrator has to sit there for weeks at home with graph paper and draw a super detailed map, and then he can't show it to the players. He has to describe it to the players so that they can draw it in detail based on his description. Which okay, if you're playing D and D, I understand. You've got a weird, complex series of tunnels, you're in some cave or a dungeon somewhere, and if they're being chased and they want to leave, they've got to know how to get out. Right. I I understand that. Yeah. That's fine. However, you're fucking making maps for the leather shop. It's a leather shop. I don't need a map. I can see the whole thing. Right. And the other dungeons were designed by, like, hobgoblins and kobolds and shit. So they have weird alien minds. You don't know how they think when they develop tunnels. Why do these tunnels just end in random places? I don't know. Hobgoblins. Whatever. Although, in this case... Why would the town just end randomly at random? I don't know, Germans. Yeah, you, fi- <laughs> you figure it out. You fucking Germans, man. I know, man. Those Germans. They're brutally efficient, which means sometimes they have a hallway that goes nowhere, and they hide a note in a door that doesn't say anything that matters. And sometimes they try to drag you through a window into a hotel, and then the hotel has a person who has a key to the leather shop, but, you know, no connection as to why he has that. Yeah, so there's just small paragraphs throughout this module of, okay, What's this? This is a spice store. The spice store has spices. C-103 is the guy who runs the spice store. Every night, he locks up and goes to the wine shop, which is Area 9. And then you can look up the wine shop, and the wine shop has a cellar. And the spice shop specifically notes, this does not have a basement. Which, who cares? Like, half of them mention a basement, half of them don't even mention whether there is a basement or not, and then... Like, three say, there is no basement here. Like, okay, great. Thanks for letting me know, man. Like, am I in the spice shop? And I'm like, hey, dude, how much for, like, some cardamom? And he's like, there is no basement here. (laughs) We have no room for cardamom. (laughs) Cardamom must be stored in a basement, which we do not have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't understand some of the choices they've made here. I I mean, it kind of makes sense to me, because that's where an underground... The whole... The whole city has an underground city as well, because it's a D&D module with, with the name scratched off. Oh yeah, so I guess if you've gotten a note somewhere that's like, I catch the cough is being held in a basement, and you go into the spice store and you're like, Spice Man, Spice Man, do you have a basement? And he's like, no, I do not have a basement. You're like, oh, okay, I believe you. Nein, I have no basement. Nein, sir, it's no basement, it's a Sprechenholzstell. <laughs> Our poor German listeners. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're so German racist. We have like ten of them a day. It's, it's <laughs> Our friendly German listeners. I love Germany. Well, no, no one should have done this to Germany. This book is terrible. Oh, God, it's the worst. Spreckenhaltestell, by the way, means like the place where speaking stops. Yep. So, awesome. In a game about spies, I'm going to the town where no one talks about anything. Well, yeah, they all say, they all try and tell you what time it is on the weird broken clock in town, and if you figure it out, you get a chainsaw. Oh, sweet. Yeah, alright. Chainsaw? <laughs> I also want to suplex a train. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, he was never at that fight! <laughs> oh, no, wait, yes, yeah, Sabine was. Yeah. I'm sorry, the comic, of the, the famous comic shows Edgar at that fight, it drives me nuts. <laughs> Edgar wasn't there! Oh, oh you're I'm, so angry. I'm such a nerd. You're so angry about dumb things that don't matter. I Welcome know. to System Mastery. Welcome to System <laughs> It's the podcast where we professionally hate Elric 24 hours a day. <laughs> uh, All right, John, which, what would you say is your very favorite thing about uh, Top Secret? Sprechenhaltestell? Sprechenhaltestell. That could be your favorite thing. Uh, okay, so... The Zima, yeah. 
Yes. That's my favorite thing. Germans. Germans are my favorite thing. Germans are great. Uh, okay, so my favorite thing in this book would probably be the base rules for rolling up a character. That's actually really novel and works. Mm-hmm. Like, normally when you look at a D&D thing and you're rolling 3D6 down the line like they had originally suggested, that's fucking garbage. It is the worst. Because you can just roll awful characters, and if you roll a 3, you have a 3. In this, because of the way the scaling bonuses work, the fact that even if on a D100 I roll a 1, I still have a 26, that's great. It means if I'm trying to do a roll under, even in the worst possible stat you could ever have, you've still got above a 1 in 4 chance of doing something. Uh, and then, of course, all the other ones give you some bonuses to do stuff. It does give, like we said, an odd thing where certain numbers are going to have a higher percentile chance of showing up than others because of the way the bonuses work. But, eh, that's fine. It just means that, like, okay, great, a 46 is more common than a 28, whatever, no one cares. But, uh, at that point, you're still getting a system that doesn't punish you so much, and it's easy to do. You just roll your percentiles down the line and get your bonuses. I like that. That's fine. All right, fair enough. So what would you say your favorite thing is in the book? I like in the uh, in the little player guide, it's literally a fold-out sheet of 11 by 17 paper. It comes with a set of advice rules for players yeah. that are just about how to normally play a role-playing game. Yeah. And I like them. A lot of them are very old-fashioned. You know, do a very good job drawing the map. You need to be extremely specific in your detail. Leave nothing out. Make sure that you buy your DM pizza. Yeah. Be neither too hasty nor too sluggish when adventuring. If you are too fast in your exploration, you may recklessly endanger yourself and your fellow adventurers. That sounds like some Polonius shit. That is straight up Hamlet like, neither too sluggish nor too hasteful be. (laughs) (laughs) Also, stab your uncle through a sheet or something. (laughs) Oh, I am slain because you're a goddamn murder hobo. Which really, Hamlet is basically a murder hobo. Yeah, he really is. Like, he just goes around stabbing everyone and poisoning people. Everyone he knows dies. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Hamlet's yeah. the original murder hobo. I would I would totally play a Hamlet RPG. Someone get on the Shakespeare RPG. They're just going to mail it to us. You know that exists. Oh, great. All right. So I like that just because it's nice to actually include something for players in here that's like... And, and it's nice to see anything that's included in a list of short paragraphs instead of half a sentence and then a chart. Yeah. The fact that the most of the book is charts, anytime you find something that isn't either a chart or something referencing a chart, you're like, oh, neat. Yeah. All right. Uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this? Uh, so, my least favorite thing about this is probably going to be the module. I can forgive the rule book for being just wall-to-wall charts because, at that point, the people who were playing RPGs were just math nerds anyway. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you were going to have to memorize charts and do whatever, that's fine. I know what, if I have a strength of six... Versus someone's toughness of 8 in 40k, what my roll to damage them is to get a wound. If you've played enough, you'll eventually learn charts. There are a shitload of them, but you might eventually get it. I can forgive that. But the fact that the module has no flavor to it. It is the most bland. It's just weird random nothing. Oh yeah, you just walk around town and people have a number and they don't have a name and as the administrator, if I looked in that module and was like, oh sweet, I got this game, I want to run a game for my fellows and I would look in that and go, what the 
fuck is this? It would make sense if near the end of the module it had the stats for the giant balloon that keeps you in the town. <laughs> like, everything in that module is just, it's just terrible. Yeah. No, I, it's, can't, it's, it's, I cannot stand it. Except for the name. Yeah, except for Sprechenhalterstab. Sprechenhalterstab. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what is your least favorite thing in Top Secret? All right, I hate that this game has like nine stats that you get. Oh, sorry, 15 stats, counting all your tertiary, tertiaries and secondaries, and then it doesn't use them. Like, it uses them for combat, but skills are separate from stats, and uh, also every time anything happens in the game, it has its own chart. Like, you, you try to lie to this guard and get his get him to pay attention to you. Uh, okay, I have a I have a charm value, and I also have a a confusion and co- uh, coincidence value, or what a convince value. Can I use those? No, you have to roll on this special chart for trying to convince a guard of things. Oh yeah, it's just a static value, and on a sixty through a seventy five, he tells you to shut up and tries to get you to leave. Oh, oh good. What, what about my charm value? Yeah, fuck your charm value. Just roll on this, and it happens constantly. Your ship sinks. Here's the chance you have of drowning. Don't worry about your swim skill. Uh, you're trying to break into a lock into a locked door. Don't worry about your unlocking shit value because there's a special value that applies to lock picks. Yeah, so there are a lot of modifiers and static charts, and that's it's charts done wrong. Yeah, it's there's. I feel bad because when we talked in the like our very first episode about uh, the oh, Heroes yeah. Unlimited, yeah, we love charts. I love random roll charts. Yeah, like I love. To randomly roll for dumb things. You hadn't read nearly as many RPGs back then as you have now. But maybe you hate charts now. Maybe that happened. See, I don't hate charts. I just it's the same thing like, man, I enjoy a burger, and then someone comes up to you and is like, eat this cow. <laughs> the whole thing. Bones and all, eat the goddamn cow. Well, they just get, they hand you a cow a, a, a burger and it's just wrong in several ways. Like, here, eat this hamburger. There's glass in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We didn't even put the meat together. This is just a loose ground meat patty. I, and wait, is this bun a waffle? <laughs> oh man, where's my hanger? <laughs> I'm gonna hang this burger up. I didn't even realize it was the holiday season already. <laughs> oh, let's get some waffle hanger. Let's go to Zima and get waffle. Wait, get, drink Zima and just celebrate waffle hanger. No, go to Zima, drink go to Zima. Zima. Zima's a place. Sure, why not? Yeah, Zima Zima exists in Germany. Don't tell us otherwise. <laughs> Fuck you, Germans. <laughs> Don't ruin it for us. <laughs> Ah, it's the land of milk and Zima. <laughs> That's my favorite mixed drink. Whenever I go to a bar, I always tell them, "Give me the milk and Zima." And they say Zima was discontinued in like 2004. And then I grab them by the lapels and tell them, "Don't you tell me what I can't do." <laughs> All right, so there you go. My least favorite thing about this is that there are a lot of disconnected charts. And you're right; there are ways to do charts well, and there are ways to do charts poorly. Charts are great when they're a spice. Charts oh, yeah. are the salt of a game. And if it's, if it's a thing that's like, here's a, like the chart in here for, do I wear glasses or am I blonde or whatever it is. I'm like, that's great. I love having that as a random chart because if I don't give a shit, I can roll on there and go, hey, look, what do you know? I happen to be bald. Yeah. Like, neat. That added something to my character, but it didn't matter. Yeah. But when the random chart is like, hey, man, do you want to know if a thing happens? Oh, yeah. Well, I have this thing that lets me do, no, 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 no. The chart will tell you. The chart will tell you which bureau you belong to. Okay, would you play Top Secret? Um, no. I don't know that I could. Like, I would have to have been playing this since 1980 to have, 35 years later, known what all of these charts are. Yeah. No, I, I'm in roughly the same boat. Uh, I feel like 
I couldn't play this game. This game has defeated me. It's nerdier than I am. Like, it's just so much math. It's like doing word problems. Oh, yeah. No, I am I am not enough of a math nerd to be like, yeah, I need to know the averages of this and that and roll on this chart and figure out what the percentile based chance this percentage from is. this other percentage. Yeah. No, I... Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think I could play this. I could play it in a different version. Oh well, then you're just playing spies. And honestly, when you told me that we were reviewing this because you had it and I didn't, I was like, "Oh, Top Secret, a spy game based on that awesome Val Kilmer movie." I'm looking forward. <laughs> That's gonna be great. I can't wait to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like go to Germany and get scared by a pair of boots, and it'll pan up, and it's just the boots. Perfect. I'm, I'm excited about this. Nope, nope, it's not that at all. That's five years later, anyway. Yep. <laughs> so no. No, this game is garbage. No, we would play any other spy game. I like spy, the concept of spy yeah, games. I would play Ninjas and Super Spies. Oh, that, no, that's not true. I wouldn't play Palladium games. What well, am I, I talking you'd about? You'd play Palladium games. Would you play Ninjas and Super Spies if we mixed it with a little Heroes Unlimited? Of course I would. I would play any superhero game, though. I'll just get that right out on the table. I fucking love superhero You've got games. a real Jones in for superhero right now. I do. Have you I, found a campaign yet? No, I haven't found the right book. Suggest to me what superhero RPG I should be playing in right now. Oh, that's good, yeah. Actually, listeners, if you're listening right now, John has been crazy for a superhero RPG. The only ones we have are uh, Heroes Unlimited and the old Marvel superheroes role-playing game. <laughs> so the only ones we have right now are just the worst. So if you know a good superheroes role-playing game, send it on in, and I'm sure he'll try it, unless it's Hero System. Oh, Hero System. I might look at it. And then go mad. It's like a puzzle box. Yeah. I'll, I'll solve hero system and then a giant man with pins in his head will have such things to show me. Is he a giant man? Well, he's tall. <laughs> the giant pinhead. I like picturing like a Macy's Day parade balloon. With like, <laughs> oh my god, if Macy's had a pinhead balloon, how much would I maybe possibly give a shit about the Macy's parade? <laughs> Here comes the famous pinhead balloon. As you can see, it's held down to the ground by hooks flayed into the bodies of its handlers. And as always, it's spraying blood across the waiting crowd. Just, just gorgeous. <laughs> oh, looks like it's melting through the wall in a giant puddle of drippy blood. <laughs> oh, yes. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this has been uh, another... Oh, you got anything you want to say? No, nah, I'm good. All right, great. So let's wrap this sucker up. This has been the System Mastery Podcast, our review of Top Secret. We are now done with it. This time I'm going to hit save. Ah, good. If you're Good choice. <laughs> if you're interested in helping System Mastery out and keeping us barely functional, filthy pores, we have a Patreon you can head out and support. That's just System Mastery over on the Patreon site. Otherwise, you can find us to listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you do that, then rate and review us there so that more people can find us. Uh, otherwise, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Gmail at System Mastery or just at our website, SystemMasteryPodcast.com. As always, we thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to ask us for our weekly afterthought reviews, send it on in to systemmastery at gmail.com. We, uh, we would love any questions you've got. We have a pretty good list right now. People have started to take notice that we're funnier when uh, the questions are just stupid nonsense. So by all means, keep hitting us with that. And uh, otherwise, thank you very much, and have a lovely week. Sprechen hold to stand. Sprechen hold to stand, yeah. Oh, okay.